protests, we walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Yes, we're back. They invited us back. So good. I just check every week, Kirk. I just make sure we're still on counting, the docket. I'm, I'm still counting votes. I don't know about you. You counting votes still? What you got going over there? I have other things votes. to do. I see an elect um, president. I see an elect vice president. I am interested, though, yeah. on those runoffs in Georgia. Correct. That, that's a, yeah. because... Uh, if things are as they are, Kamala Harris will spend a lot of time in her president of the Senate office over there in the Capitol, uh, as those of us that uh, know our civics understand the vice president's role yeah. in that spot. Uh, you know, it's so fun. That has dominated uh, conversation, obviously, and rightfully so, since the last time we were together. Uh, and welcome, everybody, to Forward Progress. I, I'm sorry, we were starting our conversation without you. Um, You're so excited. I mean, it's like, as soon as we get on, like, I missed your brother. It's been a week. Yeah, we get once a week. Once a week. <laughs> uh, but here, here's the thing that is starting to really get my attention, Kirk, again. And it's this virus. Uh, as we watch a series of Pittsburgh Steelers after... Uh, their their very tenuous victory in Dallas. By the way, I saw it was a part of an eight way parlay for a cat to turn four grand into four hundred. Uh, boy, that last pass was he was he tight? Was he tight, <laughs> Like I got oh, all because all his other games were college games. Yeah, and he had this one NFL game one left, game. and he mm. got it. But then after that, uh, the luck was over, particularly for yeah. Pittsburgh, as uh, Roethlisberger and many others uh, in contact and put on the list. And, and I feel like every day. We're getting another layer of folks on the list, college players. Uh, after the joy in South Bend, uh, my mouth stayed open because I'm seeing all that humanity. Mostly masked up, but yeah. come on, man. I'm concerned. We, we have now reached a high watermark for hospitalizations yeah. for this virus in America. This isn't April. This right. isn't February. This isn't July. It's damn near Thanksgiving, and right. we're moving in the wrong direction. And there's not a lot of leadership going on. We can see Pennsylvania's trying to lock it back down. I think Wisconsin is going to have to if they haven't already. Um, the, the Dakotas have been staggered, stunned, and stupefied. Uh, we're recognizing what's happening in Europe. Uh, if we go back to the last time, it only took it was a matter of weeks before all that met our shore, and we found ourselves in a tough situation. What are you? Seeing how are you watching this impact our nation and our sports platforms? Yeah, and Jason, you you know, full disclosure, you know, I'm a uh, COVID survivor. You yes, know, sir. having that, you know, um, having COVID a uh, couple months back, you know, me and my family, we went through it. And I know that it's something that's scary because it's the unknown, right? Because this mm. virus affects people differently. But I think also the bigger thing for me is that we knew that this virus was still out there. And yet it's still now at a record point in which we I feel like people are understanding that you're supposed to wear your mask. I feel like that's now a mandatory. So people are doing that. I think people are social distancing. I think there is more people doing the good parts 
of respecting what COVID is about than people value negatively looking at it. Mm-hmm. But it's now kind of mutated into a different form where we may have to go back to where we were back in March. And that's the scary part, Jason, uh, yeah. because a lot of people thought we would be past it, right? Remember we heard all the narratives like, oh, wait till summer and it'll be hot and the virus will die off. And yet all it did was spike. And now as we get closer to the time where we spend the most time with our families, right? We, we're in the holiday season. So you get ready for Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. And, and now with the way that this thing is spiking, you know, I'm kind of, um, I'm sitting back and I'm kind of nervous to be around family. Because you don't know what may be going on outside of those doors. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. And then obviously we just were talking about the election and, you know, some people say, well, now that the election's over, here comes the vaccine and there's this and that. And a lot of that stuff is still for the future. We're talking about the right now. And I think that's going to be difficult for sports leagues. The NBA found a way to get it done. They went into a bubble. But with these spikes now, what does the NBA do? If this thing is still spiking by December 22nd, the NFL, they're talking about a 16-game or a 16-team playoff now if they aren't able to complete their season. And in college football, I think we don't even – when you look through the channel guide now, you say which games are canceled before you even right. look at what games are being played. So our country is going through it. Uh, a lot of it is like a lot of young people as well. Um, and – you know, I would just hope that things get better quicker, right? So we can kind of get back to what was normal or is normal. Like, I, I don't even know anymore, Jason, honestly. I just know that the research uh, is telling me that I need to stay my butt at home. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Be real. Well done. We should note that uh, coming up in uh, just about 10 minutes, Joel Madison, the Black Eagle from Urban View 6 to 10 weekdays go to swing by take us deeper inside the election and a little bit later on al harrington former nba forward former uh running mate there in the bay area somebody around here <laughs> yeah. uh he's got a cool yeah. feature role in Nas's documentary smoke marijuana and black america coming up on november 18th on bet we'll talk to him about that and his involvement in cannabis it has been deep it has been lucrative for for as I still refer to him, young Al. Yeah, um, Al doing good. They doing good. Yeah, they're all right. <laughs> yeah. What are you hearing uh, as it pertains to the space that you focus on uh, during this period? And obviously, that's college football, right? And, and the way that these coaches talk to us, right? The parents <laughs> that are right. sending our young men to these programs. We're going to take care, Come, Mr. Jackson. We'll take care of your son now. Yeah, we're going to grow him into a man up here. Wow. What is the balance between getting these games played wow. and protecting these young people? Sometimes, I'll be honest, from themselves yeah, and keeping them safe and healthy. I'm glad you asked that, Jason. You kind of read my mind because um, another guy who I've interviewed uh, in the last couple months when we were doing forward progress, the, the baby, the infancy stages of forward progress, mm-hmm. I had a chance to talk with Herm Edwards, you know, one of the black head coaches in uh, FBS. Um, the Pac-12, by the way, has five black coaches in 12 programs, right? So wow. I'm just throwing it out wow. there. Uh, the progress is being made, especially in the Pac-12. But I, I remember just talking to Herm Edwards this week. Um, and that's why I get ready to prepare for a game coming up. And he says, as a head coach, I'm fighting two battles each week. I'm fighting two opponents. Hmm. I'm fighting the opponent that I have to face as a team on Saturday, on a Saturday night, but I'm also fighting the opponent of COVID 
And the one thing about COVID is that ain't no film work. I, I can't watch film and say where it's at. You I know love Herb. <laughs> Herb always has it for us. Not a, ain't no film on no virus. Ain't no not. film on no virus, you know? And so, um, but I think that's the hard part too. Um, and talking with another head coach as well, like people think about all these canceled games and these, uh, what are they going to do? How are they going to reschedule? But no one's even talking about the parents. And you think about a lot of these athletes, a lot of you know, the African-American athletes, the black athletes, you know, their, their, their parents, they want answers. Hey, what are you doing to protect my son? Is my son OK? Why should he be playing in a game? Why can't he play in a game? Mm-hmm. Right. That's another thing. Why can't they play? What's going on? I thought you guys are protecting them. Why, why, why are you having cases? Well, what's going on? And so. I think that's that's a big, big part right now of what's going on is trying to, as a head coach, like you mentioned, trying to tell parents, your son is okay, your daughter is okay, we, we, we've got this thing under control, but yet the outside world, I think you've seen it, Jason, mm-hmm. these bubbles that have been built are actually kind of the safest bubbles because these guys are around each other every single day, not like they're regular students or regular athletes or players so you feel kind of uh, this, this this sense of security, but yet when you look on the outside, Jason, it's totally different. And I think that's what the, the you know the confusion may be, and why parents may be scared right now of having kids who are in college and not knowing. Like you just mentioned, it was going on at Notre Dame, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm a parent and my son or daughter goes to Notre Dame and I see them rushing the field, that's you, you say all right. Uh, Decisions, decisions, right? That age, though, <laughs> 16 to 22. Yep. You think you can walk on the moon from here. Yeah. You know? so, <laughs> yeah. so I just recently, uh, as we uh, record the original uh, installment of the program each week on Wednesdays, we I got word as we were coming on to tape uh, that the protocols for fans and arenas in those towns that will yeah. allow it is starting to come out. Correct. And um, your boy's future got a lot of testing in it, by the way. I've noticed. Uh-huh. Uh, or or they keep my behind up on the suite level, one or the other. <laughs> okay, Pickle okay. my brain or stay upstairs. It's my call, baby. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, as those things come down, man, it's just uh, the desire to get this all in. Right? Yeah. We're going to move people back. We're going to test them. They have to have a test within, a negative test within a couple of days of coming to the arena, um, the space where you can actually have people, the desire to put, you know, make sure the suites are open. Let's be truly clear and honest. They get this money. Oh, you already know. Right? Like, it yeah. went, but my concern on every end, and the NBA has at least shown us a balance, right? Like Correct. we do everything to keep everybody safe that we can, but we're making this money. Same in the NFL. We're on the NFL better than most. College, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get better. Baseball was raggedy and and had to tighten it up. You're right. There are lessons to be learned, and I'm hopeful that everyone is sharing information, looking primarily to the NBA, but looking at all the models and understanding how is the best way we can get this done. There, There are too many cities too many locations in this nation right now where the hospitalization is off the charts. Why aren't we talking about this? The election is over. Leaders, stop hiding. Get back to the work of making sure your communities are safe. We don't know. 
Kurt, you said it best. The unknown is what freaks me out mm. about COVID. Not that years. I can't get over it today, but that in 10 years, uh, Dr. Levine's going to call me and go, I got to talk to you about that COVID. Yeah. That's the thing at 58. I do not want to have that conversation. So I've been in this bubble, man. Somebody just invited me to happy hour. I'm trying to figure out how to get there. I don't even no, know. What no, no, no virtual happy hour for no, you? Well, I, I, I tip a glass up for you right here through the screen. But that's about it. Listen, <laughs> perfect time for us to take a break because when we come back, the eagle flies. Joe Madison, he's the patriarch of Urban View, and he joins us next here on Forward Progress. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Forward Progress continues. I'm Jason Jackson. You know Kirk Morrison. We go right to the guest line, to the Black Eagle. Come on, get your arms out wide, everybody. You know what Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. on Urban View. Joe Madison gives it like it has to be given, and he joins us here on the program. Joe, we're so glad to have you with us, and I imagine your last week... Hell, your last year probably has been nuts, but your last week, I'm sure, on the show has been a... Hell, man, my, my, last, my last four years has been... <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. No, it, no it's... Um, either way it goes, uh, you know, we're just, we're just um, blessed to have this platform and uh, to be with both of you. I was, you know, because I was thinking about... What was I going to say to you since the last time we talked? And I really kind of wanted to just say thank you and and young athletes like you who are who just um, are speaking up and speaking out. It, 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 you know, it, when I was coming up, played a little college ball. Man, if you said anything. <laughs> If you look cross-eyed at a coach or an owner or a university president, you are off the team. And and um, I'm just I'm just proud of how uh, how many of you have just stood up and spoken out and uh, willing to sacrifice whatever it takes, including your careers, to uh, to do the right thing. So that's what I really wanted to start with more than anything and, and just say, you know, thank you and and just keep doing what you're doing because it, it, it pays off and it has. I think it will continue to pay off. You know, Joe, over the last four years, I think there's been a lot of, like you mentioned, young athletes, but just young, I think African-Americans in general, uh, black men, young boys, young men. Uh, trying to find w- what is my path or what is my pr- um, my way to go about trying to push equality and change. How do I do that? And so in listening to you and, and just seeing some of the work that you've done, how have you told or educated the young person how to go out and and, and affect change, how, how to go out and do it? Because I think people are looking for that that template, right? We're looking for that game plan and not everyone knows how to do it. And so what have you been educating people on, on how to go out and affect change? I, I think you, you, you have to understand that it, it that change requires um, progress. And oftentimes progress requires protests. Um, you know, most of the protests that I've ever been involved in or, or dealt with or watched 
has always led to to progress, and that has led to to change. the The thing I always try to tell folks is, quite honestly, if you think about it, it's really in your DNA. Uh, when when you look at um, when you look at what our ancestors have gone through, uh, what our forefathers, mothers, uh, forebears have gone through. Um, we really don't have a right to complain. And we certainly don't have a right, not just think about this, to uh, quit uh, because maybe we got our feelings hurt. Um, it, it, it really is in our DNA. We just have to call it up and, 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 and then get out here and recognize that it may take sacrifice. Um, I, you know, I got to tell you, you know, when you look at, um, I mean, the people, you know, the folks you work with, the people you've played with, uh, those who spoke out, those who maybe took a knee, those who, uh, organized the get out the vote drive, uh, those who said, I'm going to wear a, 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 a shirt or, uh, or put a slogan. Uh, people say, well, that's no sacrifice. Well, yeah, you know, I'm going to tell you, yes, it is. Because you, you, you know that all it takes is just somebody in power to say, I don't like it. And, uh, and, and you could be impacted. The, the, and here's what I also tell folks. And we do it all the time. We say it all the time. Um, the difference between a moment and a movement is sacrifice. All movements, not moments, but all movements require sacrifice. It always has, it always will. And so you've got to realize sometimes uh, when I talk to young people at universities or wherever, you know, I, I went out and got in my car and, and I went to this demonstration. But then you get back in your car and you go back to school. You get back in your car and you go back home. But that's a moment. That's not a, uh, that's not a movement. Because you have to ask yourself, what did I sacrifice? And when you think about those who came before you where you, in reality, they sacrificed, man. These folks sacrificed some of them, their lives, their, their education, their marriages, their health. Um, and, and that's, I think that's what you have to really understand. There's a difference between a moment and a movement. All movements require sacrifice. And I'll tell you something else. And I thought about both of you guys and what, and what your careers have been. Uh, it, it, there's so much to learn with sports, isn't it? I mean, it, the, it, the team, it takes teamwork. I mean, like my, my show, and I bet your show's the same way. I don't talk about, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to kill me for saying this. <laughs> you hear people say, well, we're, we're family. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'm sorry, but, you know, uh, I don't get to pick my family. I pick my team members. <laughs> about that, yeah? No, I bring that point up regularly. Joe. you ain't got to worry about it. 
<laughs> you know, and this, this, I got to be honest, there's some yeah. people in my family I wouldn't put on the team, bro. So, you know, but we're, we're, we, we, we are a team and everybody has a, a, a position to play. Yeah. And, and my team, man, you know, I say, look, I'm the quarterback. Let me call the plays. I might have to call an audible. <laughs> you know, y'all got to be ready to to uh, uh, to deal with it. My wife is the executive producer. Mm. She's like the coach, the manager. Then I've got my guy who runs the board, and uh, he's he's like uh, you know like the uh, the lineman. And everybody has their position, and they've got to play that position and and focus on what they're doing. And so that's kind of how I approach uh, everything that I've, that I've done. And we have to function as a team. Um, and, 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 um, and, and, and most important of all, um, you got to play to win. You've got to play to win, you, and you've got to play it tough. Uh, or else get off the field, get off the court, and, and just let those of us who are serious um, do what we have to do. So that's kind of how, how I approach it. And understandably so, Kirk, we're dealing with the all-conference running back from Washington University. Um, oh, please, by the man. Way, that, was that, a... that, 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 wait a minute. That, 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 now, come on. I see, see you guys are messing with me. That was 3D. You know. Come on. You better stop. But, but, better but, stop. but hold on. But hold, but hold on. We, we, did beat a, we, did, we did beat a Division One team my freshman year. <laughs> and I talked about them like a dog. <laughs> come on. No. It was a party in St. Louis, that, 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 that. Yeah, it was. It was a party, but yeah, no, we, uh, it, 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 look, it doesn't make any difference whether it's, it, it does make a difference because when you're at the level you guys are at, you got to be at the top of your game. But, you know, I always remember you, you want to win. You still want to win. You want to be the best that you are. You, you want to be the best. I don't care what division and uh, but you want to be the best, don't you? You this I, I suspect that you didn't think you were gonna end up being a, a talk personality on a on a with a major company like that you have at Sirius XM talking to millions of people. That probably wasn't your dream. But I can tell you this: I bet you 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 take the same attitude to this responsibility as you did when you were playing ball. I bet you. Well, I'll tell you this, uh, the key component in all of it is preparation and, as you noted, teamwork and those oh, things yeah. transfer across the board. So for you, Joe, and we should note, uh, you can hear Joe Madison weekday mornings 6 to 10 on Urban View. Uh, as you've gone through this over the last week and a half, 10 days, from mm -hmm. having to wait till Saturday to get results, the, the, the lack of concession and clarity from the sitting president uh, to trying to uh, figure out exactly how things are going to go in the Senate runoff in, in Georgia uh, to all the things that seem irregular over at the Department of Defense as leadership uh, removes themselves and is replaced. Uh, what has stunned you the most or caught you the most as so irregular in this irregular time. How crazy this man is. Just how crazy he honestly is. How 
selfish uh, 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 45 is. Uh, I, I interviewed uh, Spike Lee. He refers to him as Agent Orange. Okay. I'll be honest with you. He's just selfish. It's just like he can't be replaced. I don't want to keep using sports analogies, but I'm talking to people who understand it. But you can have stars on your team. But, you know, let me. I, all right, you mentioned I was an all-conference running back. But I'm going to tell you, if somebody ever said anything, the first, the first thing you do is you give credit to your linemen. Now, that's the first damn thing you do. You give credit to your linemen. It's the team. This man does not play team sport. Look, I mean, this this is what kills disturbs me is is that he just ought to man up. You lost, sucker. You have lost, and now you send in the country, and all of us do uh, do what? You, there's nine point nine million dollars that is available with the uh, General Service Administration to help the transition. Now that's for both sides. So that we can we can get information, people can get settled. This is an issue of national security. Here we have the fourth the Secretary of Defense in four years. The fourth is a man who is so into himself that he he just he just doesn't give other people respect unless they're kissing his. Ass. Now I'm just being straight up like I would on my morning show, um, and 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 it is not good. If the country is like a team, then you know we 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 all have to 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 work together. We may not all live in the same apartment. We may not all eat at the same place. We may not all dress alike. But the reality is, we have one thing in common. We want this country to win, and everybody is valuable. Um, and and he's he's given the other side ammunition. Never seen a president do this. Never seen Putin doesn't have to do a thing. I'm old enough to remember uh, when you know when Khrushchev said in the United Nations, "We won't have to fire a shot. We'll just take we'll take over your country from within." And we're seeing it played out in in uh, in, in front of us. Uh, but in the end, I think uh, I agree with um, uh, with former Vice President uh, Biden, President Elect uh, uh, Biden, that uh, he's he's going to go. I mean, they they they're going to come around. Uh, he, he's, that's why you saw that smile on Biden's face. He's going to go if they've got to, you know, come to, and, and by the way, you should understand constitutionally, he doesn't even have to, uh, uh, give a concession. Right. Uh, there's nothing in the constitution that requires concession. That is more of a courtesy. It's just like, you know, it's just like after any game, after when the, the side that wins or loses, you meet out on the, the field, you shake hands, you congratulate each other, and you get ready to play another game. Um, it, it, but but I, I, I'm, I honestly think, and, and I think it was Michael Cohen who said on the news the other day, I don't think this man will show up at the inauguration. Mm. I honestly believe he's that selfish, that he'll go somewhere down there in Mar-a-Lago and not show up at, at the inauguration because he, he he can't he can't 
he can't understand. He doesn't. He, it says something about your character when you can't. You can't understand. You can't be respectful after you've lost. We will. We, sometimes you win. Sometimes you lose. And it says a lot about an individual, man or woman, uh, who can win or lose with grace. That's what I'm, with, with humility. It says a lot about your character. And that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm feeling and seeing. And, um, I, I just hope we can, uh, get beyond it. Everything we teach our children, it is the opposite of what we see in this, um, in this man. And, and especially, uh, during this, this last, uh, week and a half. Hey, John, I know we got about a minute left with you. So um, I, this question is really more for me because, you know, doing my research and, and seeing everything that you've been doing and uh, just your, your resume uh, from athlete, activist, talk show host. I'm still trying to figure out how you got the name the Black Eagle. Like, you got to hook me up, brother. Tell me how you got the name Black Eagle. You got to run the story to me now. (laughs) I'm going to give it to you real quick, and and hopefully it'll fit in the time frame. So I'm working in Washington, D.C., WWRC. Uh, on and a, and a consultant comes in, and on our so-called team uh, is Oliver North. So Oliver North uh, preceded me on the air. So this consultant, this talk show host consultant, comes in, meets with the staff, and says, "Oh, Oliver North, Oliver North, he's like the Captain Kirk of the Good Ship Enterprise." So I spoke up and I said, "Well, what about the rest of us? I mean, we're not oatmeal. What about us?" Oh, uh, just, just, y'all just got to follow Oliver North. Okay. So I leave the meeting I, and, 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 and I happen to pick up Dick Gregory. I, I, I am, my, my, I miss him so much. And I said, Dick, you know, I just come out of this meeting. I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm broadcasting in the nation's capital. The, the, the symbol of the nation's capital is the eagle. But I'm going to call myself the Black Eagle, and and I and I said, but I've never heard of a Black Eagle. I didn't, I didn't, I don't even think they exist. And Dick kind of cracked the joke, you know. He said, "Well, I guess we're going to be hearing about it from now on." And <laughs> and, and, yeah. and and but let me tell you, God works in mysterious ways. So you know, folks got all upset. Oh, there's no such thing as a black eagle. Um, National Geographic, watching television, they did a special on eagles. And lo and behold, the largest species, the largest eagle was a black eagle. And and I think flew it in the Serengeti somewhere in Africa. And and then and then there was a a um a a, a, a a, a pilot, a black pilot. You look him up, uh, Colonel Fonteroy Julian, and he was from Harlem, and he was a pilot. Of, uh, I mean, this is back in the era of of uh, of, of when you know Lindbergh, right? Mm-hmm. He was going to. He actually was a pilot for Holly Selassie, um, and he he. He actually parachuted. He was a daredevil. Mount C.J. Walker's funeral, 
and a reporter he parachuted at her funeral and landed at the foot of this is how they wrote it up in the paper landed at the foot of her of her funeral possession her uh, casket and the reporter said he floated from the sky like a black eagle and finally my wife is working uh, and a guy comes in to her business she was working for united and she saw the name tag and said, um, "Do you're Madison? Are you any? Are you married to this guy on the air named Joe Madison, who calls himself the Black Eagle?" Yes, yes. I have a portrait or a painting by Robert Bateman of a Black Eagle high on this cliff, and come by my uh, shop, and uh, I'll show it to you and my family purchased that that oil that oil painting for me and it hangs in the studio which i'm not in now but none of us are and that's how it, it i um i um i got the name black eagle and i gotta tell you it wasn't easy because man folks called in they oh you're a racist there's no such thing as a black eagle well uh if you're the black eagle i'm the white dove and I said, well, my friend, and we were on the air together, I said, I'll tell you this, we can either, the eagle can either fly with a dove, or or you ought to understand, eagles eat doves. It's up to you, either way. <laughs> it's up to you. And that, 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 that's how that started. And it, 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 I, it is. It is what it is. That's how that got started. So I hope that answers your question in less I than did. a minute. But, I <laughs> but that, <laughs> well, it was well worth I, the I, time, I, Joe. And I'm going to stick with it. No <laughs> doubt. Gonna, worth it. And we will uh, stick en- with it. Enjoy those wings being spread Monday through Friday, six to ten a.m. on Urban View. Joe Madison, thank you so much. Are, for the- are, are you guys? But let me ask you. I'm going to interview you real quick. Are you guys enjoying yourself? That's the main thing. We, we have been blessed to have this awesome platform. Uh, we're usually on, on football and basketball <laughs> networks apart from one another, but uh, we, we got to give credit to, to the leadership in SiriusXM Sports that allows us this yeah. platform, uh, even some time over on, uh, on Urban View each week to, to share hey. the insights of this cross-section. It's a blessing. Uh, look, sports and politics, they have blended. They go together. They always have and and, and always will. And we're fortunate to have you on Urban View. I mean, it really, we really are because uh, you're two bright young men. And, uh, you know, it's it's good to be uh, a part of your team. I mean, I really, I really appreciate everything and appreciate this opportunity, too. A lot, a lot of love and respect for both of you. Joe, that's a two-way street. Uh, we appreciate you, and we hope to talk to you soon. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, former NBA forward Al Harrington joins us. A unique view of a parallel connection of community and let's just say botany. When we get back here on Forward Prime. You're listening to Sirius XM Radio. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. Forward Progress continues. Morrison Jackson, so happy to now go to the guest slide and 
Say hello to former NBA forward Al Harrington. Al, uh, we here. We got some viewing that has to be had coming up on November 18th on BET, the two-hour documentary, uh, Smoke, Marijuana, and Black America, exploring the uh, relationship between the herb and the people. <laughs> yes, sir. Tell us a little bit about this project and how it found its way to you. Yeah, man. Um, you know, a guy reached out to, uh, to our PR to, to our PR firm and was telling me about, you know, the documentary. And um, I'm not sure if you guys seen The Grass is Greener, but I had an opportunity to get on that one and I missed it. And I was always kicking myself in the arse about, about it. <laughs> and when this opportunity came and, you know, hearing all the people that was going to be on it, I was like, I 1000% want to do this. So um, I'm happy that I was able to, you know, give my perspective on, you know, one being black in cannabis, um, you know, how the industry is definitely, you know, moving with with us and, you know, how I feel like a lot of times they're still trying to exclude us. And then also just talking about the history of cannabis, like, you know, at the end of the day, how, you know, you know, pro not prohibition, but, you know, when cannabis was first regulated and everything, it was really aimed towards people of color, right, to lock us up. And they did a great job of it. It ruined a lot of people's lives. And, uh, you know, now it's just this opportunity where now, you know, this industry is going to be a trillion-dollar industry. And, you know, myself and a lot of people that was on that documentary, we're really fighting for inclusion and diversity because, you know, we feel like it's owed to us. You know, I think one of the things now I, I look at you as a guy who is kind of the uh, the NBA patriarch when it comes to cannabis, right? Because before it was something that we know it was rec recreational use, and a lot of guys did it outside in season, whatever it may be. But it seems that now, where our country is at now, uh, cannabis is in the forefront, and it seems that everybody is now gravitating to you because you've done the homework, you've done the research, you've done the walk, you've done the rights, you've, you've done everything. And so now, how does that feel now when so many people now reach out to you about information when it comes to cannabis and how they can either be a part of it, be a part of the movement or even uh, help expand and make it grow even more? I feels great, man. It, it really, you know, to me, is almost like it's my pat on the back for all the hard work that I've really put into this thing. You know, I took the same mindset that I took from, you know, how I was able to play 16 years. Right. Um, you know, the only way you're going to survive and, you know, is by putting it in the work. You know what I'm saying? You got to continue to get better. Um, you can never become complacent because there's always a younger Al Harrington coming in the game that don't think that Al Harrington is any good anymore. So, you know, you got to kind of keep that chip on your shoulder and realize that, like, if once you get to that point, you feel like, you know, you don't have to work anymore and you, you, you got it made is when somebody's going to buy a passion. So, you know, that's always been my biggest thing is just continuing, just trying to, I would say like, even when I first started, like my first thing was I was trying to get respect to the industry first because I didn't want people thinking that I was just a celebrity trying to come in and take advantage of an opportunity um, in cannabis. You know what I'm saying? I really believe in this thing. I really put in the work. I've learned how to grow. I learned how to extract. I learned how to build facilities. I've learned about HVAC systems. I learned, I learned all these different things that, you know, you know, now I feel like the industry first gives me a lot of credit and give me a lot of respect because they know how hard I worked at, you know, building my company and building my reputation within the industry. Al Harrington with us here on Forward Progress. Al, I think we've grown up just as a nation uh, in understanding um, the benefits of cannabis. There still has to be a lot of misconceptions that drive you nuts. But what are some right. of the things you hear? 
that you're like, you just, you just don't know yet, do you? I mean, people are still saying that it's a gateway drug. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, that's one of the biggest things, right? Yeah. Um, that, that there's no medicinal benefits to it, that it's all made up in people's head and different things like that. And it really sucks because, you know, those are just people to me that just, you know, are being almost just being ignorant. You know what I'm saying? They don't even want to give it a chance. But, you know, I would just say that the country we're living in right now, I think if they left it to a vote, a popular vote, I think cannabis would be legalized. You know what I'm saying? I really think mm-hmm. that the country is at that point. I think that the people who are really that people that are mostly, you know, still in that old way of thinking are older people. Um, you got to remember, man, they use the plant to, 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 to you know, to really destroy our communities. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you see somebody getting locked up for it, of course you're going to think it's bad and, it, and there's no there's no benefit to it because it, 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 it caused so much pain. So I think that, you know, as we continue to tell our stories and continue to push our narratives and allow other people to tell their stories, you know what I'm saying? Because, yeah, I'm Al Harrington. I played and, yeah, I deal with chronic pain all the time and I use cannabis. I haven't taken a pharmaceutical anti-inflammatory. I haven't taken an Advil in seven, eight years. You know what I'm saying? I've all I've done it all through cannabis, but there's other people that, you know, that can tell you stories where cannabis has actually saved their lives. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's just really about us continuing to tell our stories. You know, tell it tell your stories, man, because you know, I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, cannabis is a healer, is a connector. I really feel like if everybody used cannabis in some form, literally be a better person. You know, I, I think a lot of people don't know, know this. Uh, I think I know this about you, but you didn't use cannabis while you were playing, while you are an active player. You were a guy who just went out there and worked, and you stayed away from a lot of the things that maybe were going on, but you were like, that's not who I am. And then you get into this space as a former player, and you just mentioned it, as a former player, Myself, you get aches, you get pains, you get bruises, and you're not trying to take the anti-inflammatory. You don't want to be hooked on the the, prescri- the, prescri- the prescription drugs, and so you now you know, lean on the cannabis in a different way, in the CBD oils. And so, how much now have you pushed that on the former player and even the active player on what cannabis is now doing for recovery, which I think a lot more people are buying into than they were ten years ago. Um, so I think that, you know, when you really look at it, like there was a lot, there's a lot of benefits uh, to the cannabis plant. And when you, you know, I just use myself as an example, like for seven straight years, I took two anti-inflammatories in the morning and one at night, you know, just for me to be able to feel good and be able to go out there and compete at a high level. And did I know about the side effects? Of course I did. You know what I'm saying? The reason why I learned about side effects is a crazy story. One day I was in the training room with um, Jason Collier, God bless the dead. And literally, I swear on my kids, the day we were sitting in the locker room, the, the trainer was giving me the pills and I'm taking them. And he like, have you ever read up the side effects of those pills and different things like that? And I was like, nah, not really. He's like, you should look it up. You know what I'm saying? It's just not take any everything they give you like that. And no BS, he died the next, he died that next morning. That next morning mm. he died. Oh. And that's what made me start. I was like, wow, I got to. I got to learn. <laughs> like, I got to, cause he was saying like how he was taking stuff, you know? So, you know, it really inspired me to, you know, start to, you know, really pay attention to my health. And, you know, I really feel like if I had cannabis, you know, I almost feel like I might've been able to play a little bit longer because I know once I got on a real cannabis regimen with the topicals and different things like that, I felt amazing. 
And, uh, you know, I was able to play in big three, you know, three years after I was retired, pain-free. And now I live a very active, pain-free lifestyle now because of cannabis. A testimonial to the dynamic. Al Harrington with us here on Forward Progress. Uh, you brought up the uh, restart dynamic in Orlando. What was your view of of trying to have this league make its push to the end as they did, crown the Lakers a champion during this pandemic, all the while uh, taking a firm stand uh, for social justice and equality as a league? Yeah, I mean, the guys, those guys did a good job, man. I think from just from an overall standpoint, I just think that, we as people, as we continue to fight and push these narratives, I think we just have to be more educated in regards to like where we aim our energy, right? You know, when I think about the fact that, you know, we look at our president sometimes to deal with some issues, it's like, you have to understand like, he's in charge of the federal government, not the local government, right? So when, when there's police brutality and different things like that, like instead of us just marching down the street, we need to march to City Hall because at the end of the day, the person that's the, the, the person who's in charge of the police because of the way our laws are written is the mayor. Right? You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> right. it's like we know we aim a lot of our energy to the wrong places, and that's what bothers me more than anything. But I will say, you know, I'm, I'm just saying that just to say it, but I will say from the players' perspective, like hats off to them. You know what I'm saying? They took those stands by not playing two games and different things like that to more raise awareness than anything. And, you know, I just think that we're in a unique time where people are realizing that black lives do matter. I think that the way that, you know, we see that our impact on the voting, uh, you know, I think that now we're starting to realize even as people, the power that we have. And I hope that we continue to come together and work together collectively so that we can continue to have a bigger impact, you know, on the world, you know, over time. So, um, you know, very proud of those guys for, you know, uh, you know, using their platforms to speak on a lot of these issues. Hey, Al, you mentioned it, the election and voting and what's been going on. And so now, obviously, we're going to go into a transition as a country. But, you know, one of the votes that I do look at is the cannabis vote throughout different states and some of the legislatures now easing uh, back, you know, some of the restrictions. Where do you think cannabis can now go in, in the future or what's next? Maybe I think the near future, the next couple of years. Yeah, I think, I mean, we're on our way to, to legalization, right? Uh, I think federally. Um, some of the things we have to worry about, like people that are in the industry, is how do we uh, how do we legalize, right? Because there's little things that could happen where, you know, they could make this a pharmaceutical play, right? And then you think about all the hard work companies like myself and, you know, a lot of thousands of people out here that have created these um, these companies and these opportunities could go away potentially according to the way laws are written. So I think that we all have to continue to just focus on that, um, make sure that we um, we we go and we, we speak to legislators and these lawmakers and make sure that they understand like that they cannot leave us out of this, right? <laughs> like you cannot. We 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 really pioneered an unbelievable industry and we're constantly working day by day and, and, and using, you know, taking investment money and different things like that. You know, this is really generational wealth at risk um, for especially people of color, um, especially when you think about the fact that the way that cannabis, um, the way that cannabis, you know, um, destroyed our communities and different things like that. So this is an opportunity for us to almost get reparations. So we just got to make sure we protect that and make sure that these laws are written in a manner that we can't do that. 
Al Harrington, our guest, featured in Nas's documentary, Smoke, Marijuana, and Black America. It debuts November 18th on BET. Al, thanks for the time. We appreciate you, sir. Also, thank uh, Joe Madison for being with us. For Kirk Morrison and our producer, Pernell Brown, I'm Jason Jackson. We'll talk to you next time.